Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. 
Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of This is Ken McCusick. Uh, here today with a good friend of mine, a fan of the Houston Texans, Mr. Rivers McCown. How are you doing? Doing as well as anybody can be. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough few months we've been through here. Uh, hope we don't lose this football season. Are you still optimistic? Uh, I'm, I'm wavering for sure. Loss of the preseason games doesn't really surprise me because the Ravens had already really underscored in the season ticket renewal package that the cost of the games was tiered and that the preseason games were costing less. And I knew that meant that they were planning to lose them probably or they thought there was a high probability and they would only be refunding us a smaller portion of the total season ticket price. Yeah, the Texans, um, you know, just just started you know, sending out the notices like, hey, if you want to, you know, reply your ticket money to next year, uh, that's okay. If you wanted to get a refund for this year, that's okay, too. And and you keep your seats, Rivers? If you, yeah. If you, that's great. Yeah. But just 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 some dire times for, uh, you know, say, say a little prayer for your poor uh, sports administrators trying to figure out what to do with all this stuff. Yeah. It's certainly a lot of uh, effort on their end. I do not envy that job of having to go through every account with a fine-tooth comb to find out who's paying and who's not. Yeah, and and then also the people who decide, you know, if the games are even happening or not. And uh, I, I know I know we don't need to go too deep into that, but uh, you know, all all that's going into it, all the different uh, mindsets you have to fight. Like it's uh, it's a tough job right now. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk about uh, where folks can find your work in general, because you are all over the place now, Rivers. Uh, well, right now I've been spending a lot of this month working on the Football Outsiders Almanac 2020, which is going to be out on July 15th. Um, doing the Steelers, Browns, Texans, and the uh, Titans chapters this year. So those are those are those are my four games that I've drawn and. Uh, most of that's, you know, out the door just in editing. So excited about that. Um, also, right from my own website, riversmccown.com. And, of course, I do some stuff with Baltimore Sports and Life. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm around as a freelancer. I get around. <laughs> All right. Very good. Riversmccown.com, though. That's a, that's a good place to look for where your work may be. Yep. All right. Outstanding. So let's get on to a happier topic here, because the reason I had you on is you wrote this article for Baltimore Sports and Life about um, the Ravens drafts of the 2010s. So 2010 to 2019 period. And you had kind of ranked some of the higher drafts, which is a really you know nice thing. We're doing a lot of list topics this summer. I thought we'd go through with that, talk about some of the individual selections uh, in there. And uh, and have you go through your your, your article certainly, and uh, we'll have some questions. I know will grow organically from that. But why don't I let you take the floor here and tell us how you ranked them? Sure. Well, um, we had a guest study on Football Outsiders by this uh, man named Benjamin Ellinger that kind of took the uh, Pro Football Reference data approximate value and, and mm-hmm. kind of weighed it out as far as uh, versus the change. Steward draft charts and and kind of put a, a, a numerical value on what kind of return everybody got, what kind of capital everybody got, and what kind of capital versus return they got. Uh, and this is you know a very detailed piece that's on Football Outsiders, has a lot of charts and you know it was really it was really inspiring to 
So I was like, okay, well, see this chart. This is pretty cool. What if I look at all the Ravens drafts and then I just kind of rank them subjectively with the numbers on the sides so you can see, you know, objectively what it is and then also why maybe subjectively some of these things could be better or worse. Okay, so let's let's talk methodology here for a second then. So one of the issues with looking at numbers like AV and comparing it to a capital draft capital cost is that oftentimes the first point or two of AV, kind of like the first point of war, say, in baseball, is not very useful. And so you have to kind of do a subtraction. Is, is, is some of the methodology include an adjustment for that sort of thing? I mean, some of my own methodology does, but the methodology of the uh, stat itself, no. Not really. And then also, I mean, AV also has a hard time dealing with injury, mm -hmm. I feel like, because you can have, um, I think one person I specifically mentioned in the article was Tavon Young, who has missed two of the last three seasons, or yeah, two of the last three seasons. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you can say, well, okay, he's been hurt, but he was also pretty good when he played. And, you know, he's got a lot of promise. They signed him to a contract extension. Like, obviously, they like him to some extent, mm -hmm. but that's nothing that really shows up in pure AV. Okay. Um, I'm going to stop you for just a second here, Rivers, because we're having a little problem with your sound cutting in and out. Is it possible you're, are you hardwired in, or is it possible your microphone is maybe not attached directly? No, I'm hardwired in. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll just keep going here. I, I, I'm not sure the nature of the problem, but maybe it'll become apparent as we as we go. So, uh, start us with the best draft of the 2010s. I think we can probably guess, but, but uh, take us through from the top. Uh, well, yeah, the best draft of the 2010s is obviously 2018. Um, getting Lamar Jackson at 32 was kind of a a franchise-changing pick, I would say. Um, you get Mark Andrews and Orlando Brown in the third, both really solid picks, both guys who probably are looking at big-money contracts when they become free agents. Uh, Bradley Bozeman, 215th overall. Uh, obviously not like a star, but pretty solid lineman so far um still has some 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 room to grow probably yep. and I look, then if you look good i was gonna say i look at it in terms of like kinetic and potential energy what they got out of that draft they obviously got the value of return from hayden hurst they got about half of the draft capital back on him uh with jackson brown andrews and bozeman they have already current starters so they already have high kinetic value but they still have two guys from that draft they have averett and elliott who still might produce something yeah, I was actually kind of debating whether I wanted Elliot to go on our top prospects list for Football Outsiders Almanac, and he's kind mm -hmm. of, you know, you make like an initial cut list of guys, and this is like a, a list of people who have less than 500 career snaps. So you have to be like really, you know, <laughs> you have to really dive into college stuff. You have to dive into the preseason stuff. You have to kind of decide, you know, what kind of role they're going to have on the team. And so... You know, you make like a list of maybe like 80 to start off with to get to 25, and uh, Elliot's one of them I was thinking about, yeah. Did, uh, did Elliot make the top 25 or not? I haven't ridden it yet. Okay. <laughs> That's the one thing Very I haven't good. done yet. I'll leave the, I, I will say the opportunity is there for Elliot because they don't have the back-end guy for their dime package set yet. So, uh, you know, people have been talking about it being Jimmy Smith. Someday in the future, maybe it could be Geno Stone, but Deshaun Elliott seems to be the best suited to that role right now in terms of playing the back end. He's played looked good on the back end in preseason, but uh, I, I hope he gets a lot more playing time this year and can you know stay healthy for the first time. 
Yeah, and health is such a big skill for football players, and you know those. It almost feels like luck to some extent because it's not even about whether you're healthy overall. It's about whether you're healthy in your, you know, couple of years where you're trying to make an impact on the team that makes the big difference. The biggest difference. Yeah, sure, sure does. I mean, I wrote an article a few years ago where, you know, it's one of the ways you can kind of fail with a draft pick is if you can't figure out what they what they are by the end of their third year. Because once they enter in their fourth year, they're playing for a contract and you know, you're you're not in a position to necessarily sign them and get that get that deal done. So Paul Kruger, for example, was a guy for the Ravens who had a big breakout year in year four, and there have been plenty of others. He's not he's not the only one. But he's a good example of a guy that they really didn't have any hope to re-sign because he hadn't shown up in the first three years and given that option to get an early extension done. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of uh, Bud Dupree for the Steelers this last year. Like, he had some solid hurry numbers before, but uh, never a season where he got this many sacks, where he uh, kind of made a real impact on the bottom line. And then they kind of had to franchise tag him because if they didn't, they were going to lose him. And they probably will lose him next year unless they can come to an agreement before the the deadline this year, would you guess? Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, they just drafted a, a linebacker in the, I think, second, I think third round, uh, Highsmith, who I think they have some pretty high hopes for him as well. So um, I'm, I think that's kind of his his uh, learning season will be this year. And then after that, you know, let Dupree walk. Okay. All right. Outstanding. So 2018, we're all in agreement on the number one. How about number two? Uh, for number two, I picked the 2016 draft. Uh, one of those, well, it's one of those picks where you can't really go wrong at the top between Ronnie Stanley versus Larry Tunsil. But I, I think Stanley has probably been the better overall player. And, you know, Tunsil <laughs> just the biggest tackle contract in history. So that's also kind of a selling point for Stanley right now, I think. <laughs> how, how do you feel about Tunsil's contract as a Texans fan? Um, I feel like the second that that trade went down, that contract was already essentially signed. <laughs> I mean, there was really, you know, you can't lose a guy you gave up two first round picks for. You, you, you can't really, you know, let the market dictate that. And, you know, in kind of the panic of doing the trade, they never actually saw about signing him to an extension beforehand. So, I mean, they made their own and you just kind of look at it like, what, what could you do at this point? Right. I, I feel the same way about it. And, and the Jalen Ramsey situation with the Rams seems kind of similar in terms of they should have probably got the extension done at that point and not later. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I don't think that given the fact I don't, I don't think the overall exchange, meaning they gave up the two first round picks to get him and that they signed him to this contract. I don't think that, that a Texans fan would think that this path was a good one that they went down. But but you, you tell me if I'm wrong about that. No, actually, and writing the chapter for the Texans this year, um, one of the things I kind of focused on was, you know, if you look at Deshaun Watson's sack rate and his hurry rate and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's not like bringing in Larry Tunsil really changed that all that much. It was a slight improvement. And, you know, when you invest those picks and also the Titus Howard pick and the Mac Sharping pick, so literally you have like four first round picks and then uh, two seconds or whatever on this offensive line, 
you better improve by a lot. And it's just not the kind of transform the transformation change I think that Bill O'Brien was hoping for, and definitely not the one that Texas fans are hoping for. Yeah, that's a great point. So the 2016 draft has mostly kinetic energy at this point, and it better, honestly, because we're, we're in 2020 now. But Stanley, Value, Tavon Young's franchise uh, uh, cornerstone player. Matt Judon is going to get a generational wealth contract, as Wink Martindale put it, but probably not with the Ravens is my, my current guess. And there's been some other productive players in here. Alex Lewis is still in the league. Chris Moore, very, very productive special teams player. And Maurice Kennedy, who... Uh, Good cornerback for the Ravens. He's now with the Jets now, but didn't, never played very many snaps. Hey, let's not forget Camille Correa. He's <laughs> <laughs> playing for somebody else now. Actually, Obviously, it didn't work useful, out. Yeah. Actually, a pretty useful uh, Titan right now. Um, probably one of their best edge guys, which is kind of – it's not what you want to hear, but, I mean, he's been pretty steady as a run stuffer, yeah. Uh, Judon is really interesting for me. Um Kind of thinking about how the value um, coverage versus pressure, and I think that's become one of the big keys as far as what kind of team you are uh, defensively. Uh, it seems like the Ravens really favor coverage right now, and they're willing to pay the big bucks for it. They're willing to create a lot of depth there, whereas the pass rushing, for the most part, has been kind of you know not really that big of a deal. Yeah, they, they don't have a bunch of one-on-one -on -one winners, and Judon is really their only guy who has some ability to do that. Obviously, he racked up some numbers. But the big value of the Ravens' scheme has been to put what is effectively a Sam linebacker on each side, so either one can drop to coverage. And a lot of teams don't have one outside linebacker who can drop effectively to coverage, and the Ravens have two with Judon and Bowser, who are both pretty good. And so I, I'm uh, I, that's, the, that's the part about about the Ravens defense that I like. And it's what their contribution in coverage is very undervalued because it allows Martindale a lot of freedom to scheme for pressure from safety and inside linebacker and other spots on the field. And yeah, they send a lot of pressure. They send more blitzes than anybody last year uh, as far as sports info solutions numbers. So, <laughs> I mean, I think it definitely works. And I just think it's kind of an interesting counterpoint with how some of the NFL uh, is going right now where, you know, you sign these big pass rushers, you sign your J.J. Watts, you sign your Jadavian Clownies, even even the team like Detroit paid big dollars for the uh, the guy they brought from the Patriots, whose name I'm blanking on right now. <laughs> but, is that Flowers or somebody like that? Or is it who? Yeah, Flowers, Trey Flowers. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they pay big money for that, even though they're kind of, you know, Matt Patricia's kind of a offshoot of Belichick who himself is leaning more towards it kind of says a lot about what kind of unit you're building, uh, where that money goes right now. Okay. All right. Well, let's keep going here. This uh, 2018, 2016 is your second draft. What's what's your third? All right. Uh, 2011 is my third uh, my third pick here. Um, we've got Jimmy Smith and Tory Smith. Those are the two main main wins. You know, you win your first couple of picks. Uh, generally, your draft is pretty good. Uh, Jimmy Smith, obviously a lifetime Raven. Tory Smith, uh, very su successful with Joe Flacco for a number of years before leaving free agency. Pernell McPhee, a guy who, who, to me, a hugely successful pick by the Ravens in the fifth round that year. The 2014 Ravens pass rusher is really driven by him, and I think he probably does not get a good AV number in part because he didn't start as a Raven. So, uh, I'll, I'll, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, McPhee has been uh, a really good player for a number of years and somebody who, you know, kind of kind of not the guy you think about when you're thinking about, you know, another team's defense. But whenever you see him play live, you're like, my team really could use a guy like, like Pernell McPhee. And, and, you know, somebody, even if you have two good edge rushers already, somebody who can just slide in the, as, a, as a third guy, um, everybody make things a little bit more diverse. Um you know, obviously, obviously not as a, not as a Darius Smith kind of guy, but but definitely somebody who uh, can be a big part of a, of a good defense. Yeah, and in he was always a uh, create the underneath pressure on stunts guy, and he demanded a double team in 2014 and before in his first tour with the Ravens when his knees were in better shape, but explosive first step got in that gap between two linemen, crossed the face of one usually. Uh, to pick up two blocks. And that was really something that, that helped Suggs and Doomerville have their best years with the Ravens in, in 2014 for sack numbers. But Pernell McPhee not usually credited with driving the pass rush in that way, but he was absolutely the key in terms of my view of it. Yeah. And then also further down this list, you've got uh, Tyrod Taylor, who obviously not, not, not a Raven we all remember, but uh, became a Pretty solid starting quarterback, I'd say, probably somewhere in the bottom of the top 20 for a couple of years there with the Bills. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, he's, he's been one of the best quarterbacks at avoiding turnovers. And again, I wish the, the Ravens could have gotten something for Tyrod Taylor, uh, but Flacco was healthy his, his basically entire career with them, and uh, he never really got on the field. Let's move on to your next one. What's, uh, what's the next draft? Oh, next up we've got 2013, which is kind of a weird draft because yes. unlike 20. 20- 11, uh, the Ravens bombed both their top two picks, but they made up for it later on with the depth. This was the Arthur Brown and Matt Elam draft. Yes, absolutely terrible first two picks. Uh, two of the worst picks in team history, frankly, at one and two. But then they got Brandon Williams, they got Kyle Juszczyk, Rick Wagner, and Ryan Jensen, four starters out of that group. And, uh, you know, four Pro Bowls later, Juszczyk uh, is still a very valuable member of the 49ers, but. Uh, Probably still the best fullback in Ravens history. Yeah, uh, and I think you know the way the 49ers run their offense, especially you know given how Kyle Shanahan likes likes to have that fullback so involved. I mean, he really—it's <laughs> weird to say this about a fullback, but he really makes them more multiple. You know, he, he really kind of sets the tone for the way they want to play. Yeah, very, um, very, very but, much gives them that sixth blocker or the seventh blocker, depending on whether you kill, consider him or Kittle number number six and seven, but the Ravens still run that same offense effectively. They just do it with a 310-pound guy now instead of a 250- or 40-pound guy in use check. Sorry, is he still there? I also want to point out uh, John Simon, who became kind of a uh, set-the-edge guy for a couple of teams after he was with the Ravens. Uh, had a good year with the Texans, had a good year with the Patriots, had a good year with the Colts, I think, for a little too. Like, uh, not obviously not a top-edge guy, but definitely someone who was a reliable player. Yeah, still in the league, started 13 games with the Patriots last year. A lot of Ravens fans have bemoaned losing him, but like Correa, they they didn't have room for either of these guys on the edge, and now that the Ravens are really, really looking for quality edge players, it's a shame that, that they don't have some of these good supporting guys anymore. I think let, let me ask ask you this question. So so you've got Williams, you've got Wagner, 
you've got Jensen. Um, who do you think is the best player out of those three? Um, of those three. Okay, well, Ryan Jensen signed a very big contract. I scored all his blocks for, the, for both players, for Wagner and Jensen. But his last season, Ryan Jensen really developed himself into a different type of player. So he was great in his last year in Baltimore. He wasn't as good in his first year in Tampa. His second year in Tampa, he kind of rebounded and was very good. Um, Rick Wagner uh, got hurt a little bit after he left the Ravens. I know he did in the first season. That cost the Ravens some compensatory draft positions. But honestly, I don't know how good he's been with the Lions otherwise. He's pre- he was working on a good season the year after he left, which I guess might have been 2017 when he first played with the Lions. But I don't. I, don't, I honestly don't know much. What do you? What do you have to think about that? I think, kind of as you said, I think Jensen pops out to me of those three as as kind of the best bet going forward. Obviously, I think Wagner has not not only injury problems, but you know from things I'm reading, kind of about that, I think they kind of regret that contract. Kind of want to get out of. Um, obviously, if there was like a normal <laughs> build up to the season. Maybe we would have some kind of trade rumors maybe we would have uh you know teams circling around thinking about him as a cut uh maybe trading some permanent last cuts but you know <laughs> the, the detroit is such a weird team to try to deal with it feels like they they get rid of everybody who they signed two years later right yeah that's that's <laughs> they have a lot of that they have a lot of very high first round picks that haven't you know, certainly all worked out. Megatron and Stafford have, so people can point at that. But they hold a bunch of other receivers they drafted that didn't didn't really seem to work out. I did want to make one point about Brandon Williams, is that uh, the Ravens really know how much they miss him whenever he misses a game, because all of a sudden the run defense is not what it used to be. I'm concerned that he's the only really stout guy they have on the line this year after Mike, letting Michael Pierce go. And I know a lot of teams didn't have that luxury of having two enormous interior players. But Williams moving back to nose tackle this year should be pretty good again, I think. Uh, the, the fact is that the Ravens are completely rebuilding their offensive line. And by the end of 2021, uh, if not after 2020, they're basically going to have to have a complete changing of the guard with Wolf, Campbell, and Williams probably all leaving, certainly no later than at the end of 2021. Campbell is a guy who I really like to pick up for the Ravens a lot. Um you know, I didn't actually write about this because it kind of came in a, in a dead zone for me uh, as far as taking vacations or whatever. But I really loved that trade, giving up a fifth rounder for him. And, you know, you see other other players of his quality going for um, going for a lot more. Um, I, think, I think that's kind of an under underlooked move. I think that could change a lot this year for the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, I think Ravens fans would generally agree with you. He's a he's a such an outlier player. It's almost like picking up Nolan Ryan at age 40 and you don't know how many years he's got left because he's been, he's had his best years between 29 and 33. That's so atypical. And they've been at such a high level that, you know, he could decline some and it would still be okay. I think he'll play less snaps. He played between 77 and 80% of the snaps each of the last five years, which is incredible for a defensive lineman. And I think he'll, he'll, he'll get into a rotational role and he could maintain a lot of his effectiveness from these last couple seasons, maybe even improve his pass rush rate slightly uh, from from being a 65% player instead of an 80% player. Also, uh, one of the NFL's great uh, kick blockers of all time. There you go. That's it. Ravens love their kick blockers. So after 
after after we did 2011, we got down to 2019, which is one that uh, is almost too soon to judge. But I feel like we've got uh, kind of an optimistic point of view of it, or at least I do. <laughs> and kind of it kind of hit that spot where you know after those first four drafts, the total draft uh, return capital whatever kind of fell off a little bit. But uh, I'm a big Marquise Brown fan. I think that uh, once Hollywood figures out how to stay on the field, uh, he's going to burn some people, and it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> give me a give me a, a, a true over under on yards and touchdowns for you. you over under on e, on both of those for Marquise in 2019. Nine fifty for yards. Okay. And I would say seven for touchdowns okay so i i'm gonna i'm gonna say i think this will be his first thousand yard year i don't know if you've seen any of the videos from this offseason but he's in his driveway one handing the jugs gun and it's amazing i mean he's just throw after throw it's like it's almost like they edited the video somehow to make it look like those long three-point basketball shots you see in those commercials when they're shooting from over half court and it's fake but it, but it's it's it's, it's just <laughs> remarkable the other thing is he's gained 18 pounds. The guy's a freaking rock. I mean, he's only 5'7". He played with pins in his foot last year and at one, 157 pounds, and he put up the numbers he did. And I just I, I just see a big breakout coming. Yeah, this is one of those things where the more I looked at the players involved, uh, kind, of, kind of the more I became optimistic about them all. Um, I think the only guy who really fell down for me with a year is Justice Hill, and that's just because I don't think he's going to have kind of role on the team anymore it'll it'll certainly be less the the martindale has been not martindale roman has been talking about um how they're going to use multiple packages so you, you know that you're kind of competing in terms of philosophical standpoint if you want to play uh three to five personnel shifts per down to try and wear down the offense or you want to play the no huddle so if you play the no huddle, you keep all 11 on the field, of course. And if you if you play the multiple packages, which I associate with the Saints offense in particular, you run new receivers on the play field every play, and you and you get the defenders just wondering how they're going to keep up with the new guy. Uh, it's 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 a it's a competing philosophy, but I think that's the way that makes more sense for Jackson. So this is kind of an aside, but uh, one of the most interesting things for me last season was. Obviously, I cover the Texans primarily in season. Um, the Texans are this really tight-mouthed team. Like, you know, you're talking about what 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 Roman's packages are. Like, mm -hmm. you could not get offensive coordinator Tim Kelly to, you know, tell you how good DeAndre Hopkins was. <laughs> like, like he was he he was just talking to a wall. And it was amazing to me, uh, kind of after that buy. Doing that that week of Ravens coverage and listening to all the the uh, the Ravens coaches and players talk, and it was like, wow, these people are actually allowed to talk. This is interesting. this is not what I'm used to. <laughs> it's interesting you say that, but Harbaugh is very tight-lipped about injuries. I mean, he says a lot without saying much. If you, if you know what I mean, it's a lot of coach speak. I I, I kind of think of it as like you're talking to Gollum. You have to kind of sift through his words and try and find out what little crumbs of truth there are in there and how to react to that. So when he's when he's alliterative, when he's really poetic about a player, there's usually something there. He called Chuck Clark um, brilliant, brief, and bold in terms of his his signal calling. And you know that means he really 
expects him to be continue to be the signal caller, but otherwise he doesn't give you very much at all. Roman, he was on a conference call just recently. I swear it looked like he was being deposed. So he's getting these questions, and every one he waits like five seconds to answer, which is, you know, he's really considering what he's going to say. So anyway, I, I, it's interesting that you would say that about the Texans being having uh, much tighter lips because, I, wow, that, that would be amazing. And I haven't listened to their, their interviews, obviously. Yeah, it's not it's not. I mean, injuries are something that, you know, pretty much every head coach is mom on to some extent. Like, I'm, I'm going to give them a pass for that one. But but just as, as far as saying, you know, actual things of substance about the team, um, you know, when I was when I was doing the Harbaugh uh, press conferences, there was a lot of talk about Lamar Jackson being MVP. And, you know, he kind of approached it from from a spectrum that was more than just I need to shut this question down. He kind of considered and like, well, what can I give them that is interesting without also telling them more than I want to? And that's something <laughs> that I think is solely lacking in a lot of uh, a lot of coaching staffs these days. All right, very cool. I'm going to ask you about one other draft that maybe I don't know if I would have had this in there or not, but but just in terms of what the Ravens got in 2017. Um, Chris Wormley, the pick, I would say, didn't work out all that well, but he played some snaps for the Ravens, played actually a pretty significant number, and then was traded to the Steelers for a five for some return on a third-round pick. And Jermaine Illuminor, who was a fifth for the Ravens, got traded to the Patriots. Ravens fans would really love to have that guy around because he played pretty decently anyway at tackle in a brief stint uh, there in when Stanley was hurt. I think it was in 2018. Uh, so anyway, they, they, those two guys, they got a little return on, and they got their defensive signal caller, Chuck Clark, and they got Marlon Humphrey at number one, and Tyus Bowser, a good contributing pass rusher at number two. Yeah, I was, I, I saw that draft mainly at, at this point as the Humphrey draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Clark can, Clark can grow into a bigger role for sure. Uh, Bowser, AV definitely undersells how important he has been, even though, you know, he hasn't developed into kind of the, the, the stud edge guy, I think people were hoping you get at 47. Sure. But, but right now for sure, it, for sure, you know, look, you, you know, looking at things from a, a broad, what is the last four years taught us sort of thing? Uh, I think that's definitely the Humphrey draft. <laughs> right. All right. Well, fair enough. I, I, Chuck Clark has just been so important in terms of defensive signal calling, putting him in there is what really stabilized the defense. I mean, they had a lot of moves they made to fix things. They acquired Peters. They, Got two new inside linebackers and, and basically flushed the group they had after week four. But Chuck, the, the move of Chuck Clark to signal caller really tightened up that defense in terms of getting everybody aligned. And particularly in terms of the Patriots game, that was his coming out night, I think, for the for uh, for his career. Uh, you have, I'm sorry. Go, go, let's respond to that. And I want to ask you if you had a best pick for the decade. Well, best pick for the. Oh, I guess that's pretty obvious, isn't it? <laughs> Who could it be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Lamar. But, okay. Um, How about the worst pick? For the I, mean, I mean, ooh. Well, I mean, let me put it this way: do you do you do you come from hindsight or do you come at it from foresight? Uh, you, I'll let you choose, and maybe I'll choose it differently. But there's a couple guys that are on this list that are that are pretty bad. I think I would go with Matt Elam. I, I, I can't disagree with that pick, uh, him being a one at number 32. They traded down to get the Kindle and Cody picks uh, in 2010. Both of those were complete bombs. 
that draft, by the way, looking pretty bad right now in terms of what they got. They got they got Dennis Pitta, they got Arthur Jones, who contributed some, but that was really a pretty damn bad draft. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, that uh, I think that uh, pretty well covers it. The Brashad Perriman pick is one that certainly didn't work out for the Ravens, and he was utterly horrible in his last year as a Raven. But uh, he's now in the last two years, what I like to say is he's at 94 targets and a higher um, yards per target than any Raven wide receiver has ever had. The funny, season, thing so. about, the funny thing about Perriman is, like, you know, you don't see – the field for a long time, of course. So, so that biases you against him from the beginning. But, but then once he gets out, you know, immediately you're like, oh, well, I can see why the Ravens picked this first round. <laughs> it just took, you know, three years or whatever, and and getting past all the injuries to actually show, hey, I mean, this guy can play. And kind of surprised that he, you know, the deal he got with the Jets. I thought he might get more of a uh, more of a front-loaded contract, uh, more more. Um, for commitment, maybe, but I guess uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't know the timing of that, and this is one of the things that really bothers me about getting into any long-term contracts right now is the COVID situation, because if the cap is greatly reduced, it doesn't matter what they do to smooth it. They might they might bring cap dollars back or borrow them for future years, but they're not going to create new cap dollars. I, I don't believe that's going to happen. So what will happen is that your cap dollars in the future are worth more than they are today. So you'd be foolish to enter a lot of long-term contracts you can't get out of. Specifically, I think that's one of the things the Texans will, re- will regret about the about the Tunsil deal. But it's also one that they'll make the Ravens regret it too because they'll sign Stanley and will have to obviously come up with a competitive price for him or somebody else will. And uh, and that's a you know, that's a frustration we're we're going to have to deal with because this it could well be that your your dollar of cap this year is worth a dollar ten or a dollar fifteen next year. Yeah, that's one of the kind of great unknowns hanging over. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it sounds trivial to bring it up in in, in the grander scheme of COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. but but for the NFL specifically, that's one of the big things that's kind of just hanging over everything right now. Uh, you know, teams are having to be more conservative in general. Um, I think that's really affected uh, Dave and Cloudy's market a lot, uh, not only because of not being able to bring him in to look at his. Uh, microfracture and see how that's going, but also just do I want this guy on the books in in three years when the cap is 120 million or something? <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. It's it's a it's definitely a big problem. I think the the cap's going to recover pretty quickly, but the problem is that the, those dollars are gone for good. Whatever revenue dollars are lost, and that could be in 2020, it could be both 2020 and 2021, and those cap dollars to. Over whatever period you amortize it in, are gone for good. So it might be it might be 70 million, it might be 150 million of total cap dollars that are lost. And if you have a 200 200 million dollar cap for the next five years, that's 15 percent of your total cap value you've lost over that period. And and it could be that bad. And if so, you know a lot of the bigger contracts, you know teams are going to be trying to get out of them. So I I think it just it's it's the darkest cloud over the league right now. And you know I'd like to get your opinion on this, Rivers. Do you think the players in the next CBA or the, or, or whatever will be you know, the, the agreement that comes out of looking at the COVID cap situation, do you think they'll be willing to take a uniform set of cuts across the board, like say eight, everybody makes 8% less salary to try and as a, as a negotiating point in the, in the, um, uh, in the deal to, to push cap dollars 
into 2021. You know, I can't really see a broad coalition voting for that, but I also didn't really see a broad coalition voting to confirm the CBA this year, which had barely squeaked by. So, That's you know, hard, it's hard to say never, but but I definitely would lean, like, naturally lean towards that's probably not going to be something they offer. And, and I assume that the league is a one-man, one-vote among the players in the first four years as well as the, the year five-plus players. But it seems like the year five-plus players – their views really dominate in terms of not wanting to give money to players on rookie contracts. And if you're a rookie, if you're a player on a rookie contract, the damage has already been done to you. You're under a four-year deal. So the only thing you've got to look forward to is your years five plus and making a lot more money. So your view kind of already has become, uh, you know, in line with those veteran players at that point. I, I, I just, I, I have a hard time seeing it. Hockey did it that way. You know, some other sports have been able to, to look at baseball, you know, with the pro rata salaries and whatnot has looked at it. But uh, I have a hard time believing that, that football players as a group are going to be willing to accept a, a you know, a, a uniform, say, six or eight percent salary cut. Uh, I'll be honest, like from a selfish standpoint, I am really glad that they got that CBA done because seeing what's happening with baseball every day, uh, you know, just just sniping back and forth like. This is a toxic environment to be doing business dealings in. Um, and obviously, you know, I do I think the players deserve more than they got. But uh, I'm glad that that's done at least. <laughs> yeah, good, great point. I mean, it's a big thing for our sport. Well, Rivers, I, I love having you on always, buddy. It's always a great talk. We're going to talk about the draft. We hit on a little bit of everything here. Uh, always glad to do that. But uh, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, any plugs you want to do for current work that's out there. You mentioned the, the Football Outsiders Almanac. Anything else, articles you've written recently you want to point people to? Uh, uh, yeah, I've been doing the Football Outsiders Almanac, so that has been dominating my life <laughs> the last month or so. Uh, I'll be glad when that's wrapped up. I'll start writing again, you know, for more science normally. Uh, probably going to have something on Baltimore Sports and Life next Monday. So this comes out like 7, 6, I think that's today. So that'll be that'll be something to look forward to. Uh, on my own site, probably nothing next week. But we've got a couple of outsiders pieces coming. Some... some uh, Completion, completion over expected numbers will be what I'm working on after this. Okay, CPOE. We need to talk about that sometime. I don't. I, I think the stat, that statistic kind of uh, uh, undervalues Lamar Jackson because he he creates opportunities for open receivers. So you, you, there, there's not as much of an opportunity for completion percentage over expectation. But we'll talk about that another time. I mean, I think my favorite thing about all these stats is learning all the cases in which they don't really apply yes and, and you know you kind of use those stats to be like huh well here's why i don't think that stat works and then you know you kind of in your in your brain you create a more perfect worldview of, of what that means and where this quarterback should be i i agree every every new thing that comes out i look at it from a glasses half full basis but i can't help but let the old actuary in me come out and 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 find the thing that's wrong with it as well. So maybe, maybe I'm not maybe I'm not quite as good at that. Uh, folks, I want to uh, 
point you to a couple things out there. We've got a wonderful study from Sarah Ellison out there. You've probably heard of it by now, but it's on Lamar Jackson uh, and looking at how the, the rates of injury among running quarterbacks and relating that to run frequency, which is defined a defined term by her, uh, and also relating that the run frequency to both health and uh, quality of play. So it's a, it's a very interesting piece. You really get Lamar Jackson as an outlier, which I guess we all knew. Doesn't confirm anything new there, but it's a great study, really worth the time. Some great graphs and charts in there. People who are looking to do a film study short with me, uh, don't be shy. Uh, send me a message, direct message on Twitter, and we'll talk about it. And, and I'd love to have you on and talk with you. I'll be very inclusive with that. Rivers, thanks again for being on today. Always a pleasure, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks for the time. Take it easy, and we'll see you next time on Film Study. remind you that this month film study is brought to you by manscaped support for this episode comes from manscaped manscaped has the right tools to get the job done quickly safely and hygienically um go ahead and get check out manscaped manscaped.com use the code birdland for 20 percent off it's summertime you need manscaped it's the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming they have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. It's constantly a number one recommended gift for men. You should check it out. It's getting warm out. You can use it. Use the code BIRDLAND for 20% off at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and get the best tools for the job. And as their slogan always says, your balls will thank you. BIRDLAND SPORTS. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.